Welcome back to the United Pubcast for your second match review. Not often we do two match reviews, Larry, but here we are, um, not even 24 hours later. Um, Manchester Derby, Manchester is red again, and it definitely feels like it will be red again because Eric Ten Hag came in a press conference in June or July, and he said, Manchester City, yes, they're a fantastic team, but errors come to an end. And if I look at what Eric Ten Hag has done now in terms of on and off the field, my God, this match against Manchester Derby, we've beaten them before in recent seasons under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and Jose Mourinho, but they felt like one-off wins. They felt, yeah, no, we won this one, but it is what it is. They play us tomorrow, they'll smash us. This one here when Eric Ten Hag and the boys got the job done, it just feels like this is a step in the right direction, which we haven't had in the last couple of years. Absolutely, Tom, and good evening to everyone in the comments. Uh, if you are happy with the result, hit that like video because i got to say that the most pleasing most pleasing aspect of that game, and we touched on this last night <clears throat> when you and I had no voice, which, as you can hear, I'm still recovering. Um, most pleasing aspect, Tom, when United went behind, i got to be honest, I thought that we're done for here. Yeah. I didn't trust United to come back. And it wasn't that I didn't think Manchester United were capable of coming back. I just thought the way we set up to play, I just thought uh, United might need to go chase the game, and I thought that that might ruin the game plan a little bit. But full credit, and look, we'll talk about the Bruno goal, I'm sure. A lot, a lot of congestion has been made and commentary has been made about that game, including Pep Guardiola complaining, imagine that. But all in all, you have to be happy with it. You take your luck in these games, and Manchester United absolutely did that. Now, it's interesting. When we talk about tactics and how the game sort of did unfold, I'll get to everyone in the chat in just a sec, but it's interesting when you talk about sort of going 1-0 down. It's very interesting. Eric Ten Hag has spoken about it. When we're 1-0 down, just before the Bruno Fernandes goal, Scott McTominay and Lissandro Martinez are stripped and stand on halfway. If the ball goes out, if the goal doesn't go in, McTominay and Martinez come on at, what was that, the 70th minute, something like that, 75th minute. Ultimately, they don't come on until injury time. So it's fascinating in terms of the in-game management and what Eric Ten Hag was thinking in terms of at nil-nil or sort of at one-nil down. So fascinating. But Eric Ten Hag, it, I'm sure we'll discuss those three two ones. We did hand them out last night, but we, the manager needs to come into this discussion eventually. He deserves points just, just for being who he is. I absolutely love him. But Does I'll say to everyone, yeah, obviously, we stick together. We stick together. But Rob, from It's a Football Thing, lads, this club, I'm still buzzing 100%, no doubt. Prem, one hug, behave yourself with that chant, Prem. Um, Anthony here, good to see you. Team is getting closer to their peak. 100%, however, you, when you look how sort of soon into the journey we are, we shouldn't be anywhere near it. So that is a positive. I do agree that we are feeling like we are getting closer, but really we're, we're years away. You look at City and Liverpool, they took years to get into that sort of place in their development. So fingers crossed um, that development can continue. Justin, good to see you, Matt. Evening, guys. I think I watched the highlights at least 10 times today. What a performance. Definitely, Matt. Caught up with Matt last night. Had a few beers. Absolutely love him to death. Um, Matt is a big man. Matt is a, a big, big fella. Big, man. big fella. He's good to have on our side. Good to have on the red side of Sydney and Manchester. Um, Elliot here. Good to see you, mate. What a day it has been. The most important thing of today, Larry. Liverpool lost 3-0 at Brighton. I'll touch on that in a little bit. I've forgotten all about that, but we need to celebrate and sort of discuss that as a fan base. Now, look, there are a lot of people in the live chat, so apologies if I didn't get to you, but do appreciate Everyone, I will try to get to as many comments in the chat as we continue. Mike, good to see you, Matt, as always. So um, please do leave a like on the video, and we'll get to as many comments as we po possibly can. Larry, start in 11. Back to Eric Ten Hag. The biggest thing for me, it was such a strong and bold and proved to be the correct decision to keep Lissandro Martinez on the bench and play Luke Shaw. And what that meant for me, it wasn't so much Martinez being on the bench and play Luke Shaw, okay? We've seen that before with McTominay and Casemiro. If someone's playing well... Eric Ten Hag has um, shown that he'll play them. So that wasn't a huge surprise for me. 
It was just what the knock-on effect, the domino effect that meeting Malassia had to play, obviously, because he's the only other left back. And I thought, well, with that risk, I think, nah, he will play Martinez and shift Shaw over. But he's stuck true to his guns and two players who have been performing well on the left-hand side of defence. And who would have thought a couple of weeks ago, playing Luke Shaw up against Erling Haaland and Malassia at left back against Mahrez, who would have thought that would have resulted in a win in a Manchester derby? But ultimately, it has. So fair play to both those players, 100%. But also Eric Ten Hag for seeing it, because none of us fans would have called that. And he has, and he's got the just rewards. Absolutely. And that you know what the craziest thing is? That might not even be the most shocking decision he made in the starting 11. Uh, we saw Fred played pretty far up. I, I want to say Fred played in the 10. Um, he, he seemed to play very far forward uh, and, and Bruno on the right. And um, I actually, I agreed with the lineup when I saw it. And uh, you and I kind of debated this a little bit. I said I could see Fred coming in. And uh, I, I think it was the right decision. And can I say, I thought when we did three two ones, which we will talk about, um, I gave three points to Bruno Fernandes and, and I stick by that. I got to say, I thought Fred was unreal yesterday. He was everywhere. He covered every blade of grass, but he was disciplined in covering every blade of grass. He, he didn't run around like a headless chicken. He, there was there was a there was a method to everything that he did. Uh, did sorry, and uh, full credit to the Brazilian midfielder. I thought he was outstanding. In midfield, that's where look the goals come in. We also remember the goals in that second half and the dramatic ending. So we think of the second half sort of more readily. But in that first half, I thought we I watched the game back over the last couple of hours to sort of get a bit more of a sort of detailed analysis on it. The first half were good, and it wasn't so much good on the sort of front foot playing good football. City are still good when City are on the ball. Obviously, they're a class above. But in my opinion, they're the best team in the world. They are unfortunately maybe results don't show that at the moment. But City played well. But I thought United just dealt with it. Like they had that one chance, not even a chance. Fell to Erling Haaland. He sort of got on his left foot. Was sort of quite an easily, sort of easily block shot by Casemiro and Fred. Other than that, I think Juan Bissaka dealt with a cross to Phil Foden quite well. Other than that, City simply didn't create a chance. The only real chance they created, a proper chance, was the goal, and obviously they scored it. Other than that, they weren't getting in positions, and I really put that down in the midfield. Now, whether that's Fred's energy or the the shape of the team, I'm not sure, but I just think. City just weren't able to get going through midfield. They, they played well enough, but they never got in a position where they could really hurt us. And I really put that down to that shape in midfield. We weren't sort of parking the bus, but we have an Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and got not not, not criticised that, but we got deserved wins sort of away on the counter-attack at Manchester City. But that was through parking the bus with a direct game plan to counter-attack. We weren't pressing really high, trying to force Edison into mistakes. It was that real sort of mid-block in around halfway. We let them have the ball. When they played in the midfield, though, Casemiro, Bruno Fernandes, Eriksen, Fred, just had gave no time to the likes of Rodri, um, Phil Foden, Kevin De Bruyne, etc. And I just thought we can in, we can sort of highlight individual performances in terms of their work rate and defensive output. But ultimately, for me, it's an old adage: it's a team game. And I thought the team worked like clockwork. Absolutely, absolutely. I agree with everything you've said there. Um, the, the title of this video is "How Tan Hag Ultimately Outsmarted Pep." And well, I think he, he did brilliantly, and I'll touch on uh, Rob's point, Elliot. Don't behave. Um, I'll, I'll touch on Rob's point. <clears throat> Man City's front three had a combined of five touches in the first 20 minutes. And the thing that they did really well, Varane and Shaw almost double-marked Haaland. I thought that that was a, a stroke of genius. Um, it, was, it was really Shaw who I thought, interestingly, got kind of given the duty to deal with Haaland. Um, but when you think of what Haaland's strengths are, he's very much a get-in-behind striker. He's a big body, but he's not what you'd call a target man. He's not like Volt Veghurst. He's not what Manchester United just signed. He's a six-foot-five chicharito, but he's much more clinical. 
And um, I thought putting Shaw on Haaland proved a masterstroke. He, he, cut, he had him for pace. And I've got to say, Shaw's discipline as well, outstanding. Um, so tactically, full credit to Ten Hag and well done to Luke Shaw for executing the game plan. But like you said, the middle part of the field, clockwork. You, Casemiro, I don't think you can put a, a dollar, pound, euro figure on how good this guy is. He just but goes forget, how, forget how good he is. Forget how good he is, obviously. Look, you just look at his record. Obviously, won a few trophies <laughs> at Real Madrid, knows how to play football. It's everything else. I'm sure everyone has seen the video, and I've been watching it more than the goals in terms of when he jumps into the crowd and he's hugging the kids and he finds Pete, Bo- Pete Boyle, gives him a hug. Love that video United there. But, but look, I think that's just where, where obviously he does love United, but that, that's a, if he was playing for Real Madrid, he'd do that. I think that's the type of personality. But I'm just thinking, and look, he'd give himself a heart attack when we win the League Cup at Wembley. But this is him celebrating goals in, in Premier League games. I just think if Casemiro is to win a trophy, someone's going to have to have an ambulance on standby. Because this guy's going to lose it. Like the, the amount of passion, and look, it's not to criticize. I absolutely love it. But my God, it's refreshing to see. Because sometimes you can see through a little bit, a little bit of passion. Like you can see through a little bit for the cameras, like kissing the badge. And you think, okay, that's good. We all lap it up. You think, okay, yeah, well, I could see you kissing the badge of another club in two weeks' time. With Casemiro, it just feels a natural. And maybe I'm guilty. Maybe I'm falling for it. But I feel I've sort of experienced enough over the years to see what's genuine and not. And Casemiro is just he's well Royce. On that point, he just won a Champions League final with Real Madrid, his fifth. He could find – now, why would anyone want to leave a club like Real Madrid? You're winning Champions Leagues, you're winning La Ligas, you're, you're competing every season. He had every reason to sit and coast in his career. He had years to go in his contract. The thing I like about this guy, besides at 30 years of age, I'm going to go challenge myself. I'm going to go to the Premier League. And there was a report – I think it was I think it was James Stucker. I might be wrong on that. But there was a report that came out during the week where Casemiro was in negotiation with United, saw the Brentford game and said, I'm going to fix this. Something to say and mention a Ten Hag, I, I can fix this. You just look at the impact he's had. It's phenomenal. And well, if you look back at when he signed, if you look back when we signed, there was so much negativity around the transfer window and we're going for the De Jong and that didn't happen. We're going for this player, that didn't happen. We're overspending. And when Casemiro was linked, I think all of us said, no, that's not going to happen. Then ultimately, when it gained a little bit more momentum and it sort of looked like Casemiro was going to sign, we all celebrated the signing because what a fabulous player to bring in. But always in the back of our mind with Casemiro, maybe even with Varane a year before, Matt here saying, I feel bad for Real Madrid. We robbed them um, of Casemiro and Varane. But on the Casemiro one, as much as we love the signing and thought, yeah, he's going to be good, we all sat here, me especially, we sat here and said, why is he coming to United? I thought, like, you can see this. Is this going to be another De Maurice? Is he coming for one last paycheck? Is he is he going to be suited to the English game? Now, they were just questions. Like, obviously, he's answered those. He's proved us all wrong. But those were genuine questions, and that was met around a lot of the negativity around sort of the Glazers out movement of the transfer window. But I just had to sort of hold my hands up and not to apologise to Casemiro because I absolutely love the guy. However, I did have, unfortunately, I did have concerns, and maybe that was through being burnt from the players like Angel De Maria, et cetera. And it was off the back of, unfortunately, Rafael Varane not having the strongest end to last season as well so there's a little bit of a not nothing personal towards Varane but a little bit is he the right type of sign and did are we getting the best Rafael Varane but um yeah Kasha Meinbach it was a little bit of hesitancy around Casemiro's arrival which is crazy right now when you look back at it yeah for sure uh, look I, I I blame the likes of Graeme Souness and um Gabby Gabby people who with all due respect had good career well Graeme Souness particularly did have a good career but these characters who just talk shit for the sake of talking shit, you know what I mean? It, it, they just want to generate clicks. If it, 30 years old is not over the hill, 
for starters. I have not known a player in the last 10 years to be done at 30. Just it doesn't happen, right? Football, sports science has come on much further than that, particularly in Casemiro's position. A lot of it is about the brain and, you know, it's about positioning, anticipation, and he's got that in abundance and, he, and he's a lead at it. Um, <clears throat> look, he, he was outstanding, but look, the whole midfield, the whole team, no one had a bad performance. And I think that's ultimately why we saw the result that we saw. I want to get into the front three and sort of that front three discussion will sort of we'll, then we'll touch on the goals and sort of the moments that we do remember. Before we do get into that, one of the people I want to sort of really give a shout out to in regards to he needs the credit and not just for his performances, but off the field as well. Aaron Wan-Bissaka. Uh, I just want to give him the credit. Was that George Best because... reincarnated? <laughs> forget the performance. Forget the performance. Just the way he has come back in regards to he was out. He was gone. He's on the transfer list. United desperate to sell him. Delo's obviously picked up an injury at the World Cup, and he's come back in. And to be mentally and physically right to be able to perform at the level he's doing on the stage that he's doing, I just think Eric Ten Hag needs um, credit in regards to the man management to be able to sort of provide that motivation so when he comes in, he can perform. But also Aaron Wan-Bissaka himself, not only to perform well and do the lovely slide tackles, which we see, but he's improving on his game. Now, yes, he's not the all-round right-back. He's not Cafu, for God's sake, but he's trying to improve. And that's ultimately all you can ask for. And forget trying to improve. He actually is improving and performing very well. And I think Aaron Wan-Bissaka, um, I think, I'd say, saved, saved his United career? Absolutely saved his United career. I, I thought he was phenomenal yesterday. And the, the funniest thing about him, you and I have had this debate. Does he have a bad first touch or is he just a bit unorthodox in the way he plays? Mm. I was certain when he went on that epic run down the right, I was convinced he'd lose the ball about three times, Tom. He kept the ball every single time and he beat about three players. Credit to him, you know, he's done really well. I think he, it, it's really interesting. I I couldn't make an argument for, depending on how long Delo is out for now, if if Wan-Bissaka, it's his position to lose, to be honest. If he continues yeah. to play the way he's playing, well, then how do you drop him? Uh, and, and that's the biggest credit I need to give Ten Hag. He hasn't been afraid to drop players. Martinez, before the World Cup, anyone would say to you, this guy starts every game, no matter what. He didn't do that. He had a poor game midweek, and he said, you know what? I'm throwing Luke Shaw in. If you don't perform up to the standard, he drops you. And full credit, because your man management has to be on point to do that. And uh, obviously, the players are believing in him. Yeah, no, definitely. Look, there's about 50 in the live chat, so please do leave a like on the video if you are excited as us. And as I said, we will get into the business end of things. And I just want to throw this question to you here, from um, Larry, from Mike, in regards to Martial. Um, all due respect, Larry, you're a great pundit, but please take off your beer goggles in relation to Martial. Talk me through Martial in regards to, at halftime, we all saw the injury with Rashford. We thought, okay, Rashford's going to come off. Martial is the one to come off. I'm just seeing there is sort of a bit of an injury doubt, so maybe that has played a part. But also there was a bit of a change in sort of approach in regards to that front three. So just talk to me in regards to the latest in regards to Martial, because we're playing very good football with Martial. Now, it's not coming off for him personally in regards to a, a number nine scoring their goals. But now he has competition in a man that Eric Ten Hag um, highly values in about Beghorst. So just um, the latest off the back of that half against Man City, um, your feelings towards Martial and the Beghorst sort of dynamic? Um, look, I, I thought Martial was playing solid. I, I don't think he did anything wrong, and I thought particularly his link-up play was quite good. Uh, there was a time in the first half, I recall United being on the transition and he did dwell a little bit. But overall, I thought his performance was positive. I didn't definitely like six out of ten. He didn't score a goal, obviously, but his link-up play was good. His press was good, and obviously he gets pulled off at half time. Now I don't know whether if that was an injury or a tactical decision, 
Um, I'm not going to sit here and tell you he was world-class, Mike, but at the same time, I'm not going to sit here and tell you he was awful. I think the truth is somewhere in the middle. I thought he was playing really well, and I actually would argue when Anthony was deployed there, I don't think the transition... Was weird seeing Anthony. I'm not saying, look, Eric Ten Hag got it right, of course, but it was weird seeing Anthony in there. It was just weird, and obviously they're a little bit fluid. They sort of chopped and changed, but there was big periods. He Anthony didn't look natural there, him. though. Not, not the way Martial does, to me, you know? And at the end of the day, you can like Martial or not like Martial. You can't debate he's the most natural number nine we have before the signing of, obviously, uh, Val Veghurst. Yeah, just want to move into the goals in regards to George here. Just touching back on that um, right-back situation. I'm almost leaning to keep in Aaron Wan-Bissaka now. We'll struggle to find a better understudy for Delo unless Laird hits the ground running when he comes back. And I'll just bring that name in there in regards to Ethan Laird. I do look at it and think, well, a couple of weeks ago, right-back. A striker and a right-back, they're our priority. Now, it's funny how football works and the tables do turn, but now we're talking about, now we've got Diego Delo, now Wan-Bissaka continue. We've also got good depth in Aaron, um, sorry, Ethan Laird coming back. So at the moment, two weeks ago, right back was his huge priority. Now we're looking and thinking, well, hang on. Do we need to give these guys a chance? And Eric Ten Hag is working his wonders. Um, it'll be very interesting. I'm sure we're having many discussions around the right back situation. But moving forward, Larry, goals. Goals win games. Jack Grealish scores. I think it was City's first chance. They scored the goal. Fair play to them. I didn't see a way back for United. And not through the way they were, City were dominating or United weren't in the game. I just thought, okay, City, will, they'll coast now. They'll get on the ball. And I felt... Our tactic defensively was very good. I thought we stifled them very well. As I said, I only really sort of count that chance, one chance from Manchester City. They often create 21 chances. So defensively, I thought we were very good. However, the approach to go and score a goal looked very basic in my opinion. And not to, criti not to criticise them, but in, but in terms of playing against Manchester City, it looked like Marcus Rashford is our quick player. Let's see if we can get it in behind their right back to our quick player on the left wing. And it seems City knew that as well. Now, I know it's obviously far more complex than that, but it felt like every time we got the ball, where's Rashford? Can we get it in behind? I felt City reading that all day, and that's our own sort of avenue to try and get through. And I thought it's not going to work. Ultimately, um, well, we have sort of found a way through there. But um, just your thoughts. When we did go 1-0 down, um, obviously the goal with Rashford and Bruno Fernandes, I think Aaron Wan-Bissaka went through a few players, played in Casemiro, Casemiro with the lovely ball to Rashford, who at the pub, I've seen a few boys here talking about the pub. Um, gee up, boys, where's the energy from the pub? And Matt here saying, take me back to Scruffy's. As chaotic as it was when that goal went in, Larry, I didn't celebrate. I didn't celebrate. I said, that's off. I'm not I'm not going to get my hopes up. That's offside. I don't know what the current rule is. Put in the live chat. If you do know the rule. Now, we should know the rule as football fans. I don't. In my opinion, the way I interpret football, it was offside. Marcus Rashford, in my opinion, interfered with play. Now, I'm not moaning at all. I absolutely love the fact that it was ruled onside. But um, if I was a Manchester City fan, <laughs> I'd be a little bit upset. Yeah, absolutely. Um, look, in terms of the rule, um, so th now this is from the FA's website, and what it says there, a player is in an offside position at the moment the ball is played or touched by a teammate is only penalised by becoming involved in active play. Um, so Rashford didn't touch the ball. Okay, I understand that. I would argue if, I, if you're a defender, you're considering everything that Marcus Rashford does, and, and that's ultimately the problem for me. Um as a neutral, do I agree with the decision? No. As a United fan, do I agree with it? Well, it's, it's about time we got a bit of luck. It's about time we got one of those calls Absolutely. going our way. What was and, that? Fair play to Bruno Fernandes. The first game in the Europa League. We had a, we got absolutely dudded by VAR, and we finished second in the group, and now we have a tie against Barcelona. Well, yeah. you know what? Karma comes around. And they say over the balance of a season, your, your luck will balance out. And maybe United got some luck here. 
And I thought a lovely finish as well. And in a tricky situation, worrying about telling Rashford he's offside and sort of beating the good goalkeeper in Edison. I thought it was a fantastic finish by Bruno Fernandes as well. Sorry, and speaking of Bruno Fernandes, a build-up to the second goal. I think Fred plays a nice little ball into Bruno Fernandes that sets him free. And Bruno Fernandes plays a reverse pass out to Ganacho. Quite a straightforward pass, but it was a pass he had to get his head up and find. And um, I think Bruno Fernandes' involvement in both goals, obviously the goal, but obviously that second goal as well, giving the ball to Ganacho, was absolutely brilliant. I'm sure we'll sort of touch a little bit more on men of the matches in a little bit. Bruno Fernandes definitely has his hand up for that. But Ganacho as well, I thought was a bit of a game changer as well. He's a player sort of... Yeah, you can expect to come on and sort of do well in some games. Manchester Derby is a different stage and Ganacho has delivered. So absolutely fair play to him. It was brilliant to see him sort of deliver in the way he did. Showed a little bit of maturity there. Obviously, he tried to get a cross in, sort of came back to him. He could have panicked and tried something else. Said, no, sort of believe in my ability to go past the player again. Turned him like a dime and just um, a beautiful ball. I thought, again, maybe potentially offside. Saw the replay. He was clearly onside. But just talk me through that second goal. You got the brilliance by um, Bruno Fernandes, Ganacho as well. And ultimately, Larry, Marcus Rashford scores in another Manchester derby, another another winner. I, you have to say at the moment, look, Haaland will go on to do what Haaland does in his career, of course. But at the moment, Marcus Rashford's better than Erlen Haaland. You forgot to praise the world-class midfielder, that is Frederico. I think Fred, Fred got the ball into Bruno as well. Look, everyone, look, individuals, we do talk about individuals, and I hate to go back to it, I don't want to be a cliche, but my God, in regards to a team performance, um, it's a team game. Absolutely. It is. And uh, look, the second goal, again, United on the transition. This is where we were going to beat Manchester City. They play a high line and credit to Ten Hag, credit to the team for executing it. Um, the second goal, Ganacho is showing a maturity beyond his years. I've got to say, I do like the, I like that Ten Hag's pulled him in and out, in and out. Um, he's, he's not playing with any great regularity in the sense of he's not starting game to game to game. I like that he's the game's on, the game's in the balance. And you know what? He threw a kid out on there. Hey, it's Manchester Derby. You, how do you feel about trying to produce something and help us win the game? Do you what it resembles a little bit in regards to over the last couple of years when we haven't been in great form, it's hard to throw these young players in. Do you throw them into a losing environment? But it's almost like in terms of this, what are we on, an eight-game winning streak, nine-game winning streak? Remember Sir Alex Ferguson, good bloody youngster. Could put him in for a game, could take him out for three, could put him in for another four, take him out for one. And you can do that in a winning environment. So I think in terms of Eric Ten Hag's management of Garnacho, one, it's been brilliant, but also I don't want to say lucky because we deserve to be winning games, but also just conveniently around a nice bit of form. I think it's benefiting Garnacho greatly. I don't think he gets these opportunities if those, if that form at the start of the season loses, losing to Brighton and Brentford continued. I don't think he gets this opportunity. Well, Jaden Sancho being put out of the team yeah. might be the greatest is, blessing yeah. to Ganacho. And um, ultimately, I, look, Sancho will come in imminently, but Ganacho's taken his opportunity and Sancho's got a way to work. Um, yeah. And I think if, if there is a position that Sancho's going to grab, it's actually going to be on the right with Anthony, the record transfer for Manchester United, because uh, Ganacho at the moment, he is second choice only behind a player who I have to say right now, we had we had we asked the question a few videos ago. Is Marcus Rashford world class? Let's see. Chris puts a comment here from last year. Oh, chalk and cheese, mate! It's chalk and gold. But what I will say, Tom, I don't know if he's world class, but is he the best player in the world at the moment? He's definitely in the top five, as Casemiro alluded to. The way he is, the the form he's on right now. That you try and find me another player who's in the kind of form Marcus Rashford is in right now. He's absolutely killing it. He he's guaranteed to score a goal every time he's on the pitch. 
it's one of those things I remember saying I really liked growing up as a kid is um, a Rude Van Nistelrooy goal comes with a ticket at Old Trafford. And now if you get a ticket to Old Trafford, you're going to see a Marcus Rashford goal. And I think the longer he scores, in terms of we are defending very well, took Manchester City 90 minutes to only really create one chance. So we're defending very well. And when we do have that threat at the other end of the pitch in players like Marcus Rashford, yeah, it, it is the recipe to go and have a successful season. Now, what does that look like in regards to a successful season? Time will tell. But ultimately... I want to touch on that to wrap up in regards to potential trophies and title race and League Cups. We'll discuss all that. We'll go back. Last night, we did a bit of a pub reaction immediately after the game. Just a short video, short five-minute video. If you haven't watched it, go back and listen to our croaky voices at 3 a.m. on the side streets of Sydney. But um, three, two, ones, we gave them to Bruno Fernandes, Fred, and Marcus Rashford. I'm just thinking, now I've watched the game back, I'll probably tend to agree with those as well. But um, has your 24 hours later potentially opinion changed or you want to stick with those threes? My opinion has not changed. Um, I did. I did ponder for a good twenty-three seconds. Um, should I? Should, does Luke Shaw deserve something? I thought he was outstanding, oh. Luke Shaw. Does Martinez come? Does Martinez come in or do rest Shaw against Palace and play the Shaw against Arsenal? Tom, I said. I said on this podcast that Martinez is a world-class centre back. I'm almost about to say Luke Shaw is a world-class centre back. Well, he just kept this goal-scoring robot freak up front quiet. I didn't even realise Highland. Do you played. think this comes down to? So we'll move on from the three-two ones. That Shaw and Martinez. Now let's not jump the gun on Luke Shaw, but look, playing brilliant, one hundred percent. Let's just enjoy it for what it is. But also, do you think this is also just comes down to maybe the way you're at Ten Hag in terms of the defensive shape and maybe the instruction put out? Not much changes now. Obviously, the body shape is similar. The left foot is similar. Height sort of similar. Luke Shaw and Rafael Varane, Lissandro Martinez and Rafael Varane is very similar sort of makeup on paper. Do you think in regards to the way Martinez has performed well with Varane and how Luke Shaw has performed with Varane, it's a, it's a system thing? Obviously, individual players are playing well. Obviously, they had to do their job. But the reason we're seeing sort of sort of complete performances is because of the way the team is playing and what Eric Ten Hag is telling them to do. Well, put it this way, Tom. If, if you can think back to Louis van Gaal, uh, Chris Smalling became Mike Smalling. And Mike Smalling was a world-class centre-back. And um, Smalling never produced that kind of form under Mourinho and was soon sold um, when Ole Gunnar Solskjaer came in. And that, the, the truth is that, look, you have to be a good footballer to play in the Premier League and you absolutely have to have something about you to play for Manchester United. But the good coaches find a system that suits their players. So I think it's a little bit of both. I think Luke Shaw has been... He, he's, he just seems like he's been galvanised, he's motivated, he looks fit. He's just playing well. He's being given a job, and he's doing that job to 100% of his ability. And uh, he's, he's just finding that consistency. And I've got to say, we've always said as United fans, I want you to think about this post-Fergie. Not one player do we buy improves. Every player this season that is that has donned yeah. a Manchester United shirt looks better. Every single well, it, it goes into my next topic. Eric Ten Hag, let's talk about him. I want to talk about the title in a few minutes' time. So if you are expecting a bit of a title race, please do leave a like on the video. There's over 170 in the chat, which is absolutely brilliant on a Sunday night here in Sydney. So smash that like and subscribe button if you're new. Eric Ten Hag, Larry. I'm not, the, I'm not commissioning for a statue just yet. I don't think he gets a statue just yet. But my God, what this guy is doing, I just want to... What has he done wrong? Nothing. The Harry Maguire situation. Cristiano Ronaldo situation off the field in terms of getting a hold of the dressing room. Are those leaks and sort of stupid little stories coming out of players wanting to leave, etc. That seemed to have gone. One, the implementation of the football. Look, I, I, I played football in terms of, I played with some very good coaches. I was never in a team who really sort of had an identity in terms of, we, we'd always win, a, win our league. We always won trophies. We always won the premiership, minor premiership, and then the grand final. We're very dominant. 
However, there were teams who played better football than us, maybe who finished third, fourth or fifth in the ladder. They played better football because that's the way their coach wanted to play. Maybe we just had better players and were able to get the job done. So I've never sort of been in a team where I've been able to sort of feel unfortunate for this, was never able to sort of develop in that aspect of the game. And so I always found it difficult to think, well, how come that these players and how, the, how come these teams have been able to do it and I can't? And I've seen Man United under Louis van Gaal, Jose Mourinho, Ralph Rangi, great world-class players, unable to sort of identify a style of play. And I think, well, hang on, it's, it's quite kind of a similar feeling. But what um, Eric Ten Hag has done in the space of, let's say, what, three or four months, in terms of Im- implementing identity in regards to we're now going to Manchester City after being smacked 6-3 by them, sort of to turn up at home and say, no, hang on, we're going to sort of dictate how this game goes. I'm just thinking all these things, the Maguire situation, the Ronaldo situation, off the field sort of drama sorting out, setting standards. It's his coaching as well. My God, the way this guy's getting his message across, that's almost the thing that's gone under the radar. We're loving the passion. We're loving the um, punishing Marcus Rashford, selling Cristiano Ronaldo. We love all that. Look at his coaching. Look what he's performing in regards to results. Uh, he's an absolute, I can't, he hasn't put a foot wrong. So if you are impressed with Eric Ten Hag, please do leave a like on the video. And Larry, talk to me. The, the thing that's really impressive about Ten Hag, uh, I, I thought everything we've seen this season and everything you said is right, his man management, his management of the Cristiano Ronaldo situation, I don't think you can understate that. Let's not forget, this guy is the biggest name in world football. He is literally the most famous person on the planet, yeah? This guy is massive. Eric Ten Hag came from Ajax, which is a well-established club with solid foundations, football people behind him, and a very efficient project. He comes to Manchester United, and we, and he comes under, let's not forget, a new CEO, a new recruitment structure. He had every reason for things to go wrong. And then, you, and I want you to compare. Forget Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, forget David Moyes, forget all of that. Look at Ralph Rennick. Look at Eric Ten Hag. Look at all the things that Ralph Rennick said about open heart surgery, this 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 is gonna this is gonna take three years. They need ten new players, etc. He has taken the nucleus of those same players, one point behind this drugged up Manchester City team. So when you, when you look at it like that, Harry Maguire, the captain, doesn't get a look in. He sits on the bench. Everything he does, you know what? Don't build the statue, but you can start putting the plaque in from the ground because if you get good owners in who actually back this guy with unlimited amount of funds just imagine what he will do look uh, I, I don't know what to say about it i almost want to sort of stop talking about it and just letting go under the radar you know how you don't want to sort of put too much pressure I almost want to sort of forget rivals or like, sort of pretend he's not our manager so he doesn't have any attention on him it's like a big money signing you sort of want him to go under the radar and just let him do his thing because my god like i'm absolutely falling in love with the guy obviously i was very sort of privileged enough to meet him down in melbourne and you just sort of had that sense that, yeah, this guy is, is something special. He does have an aura about him. And it's sort of hard to sort of sort of present and to do it on the world's biggest stage at Manchester United. It's absolutely brilliant to see. So there is over 200 in the chat, which is fantastic. Do leave a like on the video for Eric Ten Hag. Now, I said a couple of minutes ago, Larry, we'll wrap up with this. Eric Ten Hag needs a successful season. What is that? We're obviously looking at Wembley now in regards to we've got a Forest semi-final in the League Cup. Um, fingers crossed that looks like maybe will be a final against um, Newcastle Wembley, which will be brilliant. But there is no hiding from the fact all of us at full time got our phones and looked at the Premier League table. There is no hiding from the fact that Arsenal have a tough game tonight against Tottenham. You think Arsenal win, but as this game, you could see Harry Kane scoring a couple of goals and Arsenal lose. Next week, we play Arsenal. Arsenal still have to play City twice. None of us want to say that we're in a title race, we're going to win the title, but everyone's looking at the table. We're all looking at it. We can all see... 
if City are in a title race, we're in a title race. So, um, one, are you obviously we, you're glad for the position we're in, obviously, but are you almost sort of a little bit we're not ready yet, or sort of you sort of prefer you got to lose one to win one sort of thing? Like, just what are you thinking in regards to where we actually sit? Like, are we winning too many games, or have we been through our bad spell? Are we are we going to have a bad spell coming up? Like, just just your thoughts on regards to a bit of title talk. All right. Well, let me answer that question in a two parts. Um, let's look at the teams who have traditionally challenged at the top, particularly over the last three years. Chelsea are in free fall. I'll be amazed if they finish in the top 10 the way they're going. They might actually sack their second manager by before the end of the season. So that's point number one. End of the season? Point. I think that's sacking by the end of the month. Oh, he's struggling. Um, Liverpool are in free fall. They've lost 3-0 to Brighton. I don't know what's going on there. They've just signed a striker. I think they need to sign about five new defenders because they're leaking goals for fun. So Chelsea and Liverpool aren't even in the race. Tottenham, they can be good when they want to be, but they're really struggling. So then you, there's only really, if you look above them, you've got United who are the form team in the Premier League. The form team in the Premier League, okay? On the form table, United are number one. Arsenal look like they've got the jitters. They're playing well, but you just wonder. They keep trying to bring a striker in and it's just not coming for them. That, that number nine just keeps eluding them. If they don't replace Jesus and, and they get into the, the thick of the season with the Europa League and the FA Cup, it's going to get really hairy for them. I don't think they've got the squad depth. I don't even think they've got a strong 11. I think they've got a strong nine. And then outside of that, there's not a whole much coming. So if Arsenal don't do the transfer business, City, look, they should be winning the lot. They're struggling. Pep knows how to bottle things. We've seen it time and time again. He bottled it yesterday. He came out in the press conference. He's overthinking it. Every time he overthinks it, he shits the bed. Why can't United win the title? Why not? Let us believe it. You Do know you think what? someone like Pep Guardiola and whether we throw Jurgen Klopp into this, because obviously we're not sort of looking that far down the table at the moment, but Jurgen Klopp, but especially Pep Guardiola, we look at young players coming through, okay, this player's going to be the next star, whether it be Erling Haaland or Kylian Mbappe. We see all these with the yeah, we've got to keep an eye out for them. Hopefully they can come to our club or they don't go to our rival. Do you think someone like Pep Guardiola who lives and breathes football and thinks about it so much and analyzes it and potentially sort of over-analyzes it in his head, is looking at Eric Ten Hag and obviously has worked with him previously thinking, oh my God, they've got the next best manager in the world. I'm just thinking, well, how am I going to deal with this? I've got to deal with this for another couple of years. Like this guy, he's going to turn Manchester United into an absolute machine. And do you think the football people around the game, like a Pep Guardiola, like a Jurgen Klopp, actually see Eric Ten Hag, well, we all love him, we say, yeah, he's brilliant. But they actually see the technicalities in why he's brilliant and sort of, am I overthinking that or do you actually think Pep Guardiola, Pep Guardiola is fearful of Man United at the moment? Because he hasn't been over the last couple of years. I think he is fearful. Just look at his comments midweek. I need to have minutes in the legs. I've got special plans for Manchester United. He's tried to play psychological games with Eric Ten Hag who he had as his number two at Bayern Munich because he saw... It's like what he did with Klopp three, four years ago. Exactly. And that's the thing. United are in this really interesting moment where they could really... I, I Look, I think we're in a title race. I really do. I'm going to hold off saying we're challenging. I want to see us go to the Emirates and get a result. Georgie well, says after Arsenal, that'll be the asset. Well, we thought City would be the asset test. Now we've got Arsenal the next one in a week's time. Obviously, that's a new test. Um that, that is one. I think if we go to Arsenal and look, I win, obviously. It's one of those ones you take a draw away at Arsenal in the form they're in. You almost take a draw, but who's to say we wouldn't go and win? We can win, absolutely. Yeah, know, yeah. We're the only team that's beaten them this season. Why yeah. not do it again? Do oh, no, I'm more confident against Arsenal than against Man City. The thing is, and 
you know I'm an optimist by nature, Tom. The more we keep this winning streak up, the next loss is coming closer. And um, oh, no, I've got that loss out of the way. That's coming against one nil against Forest in sorry two one at Forest in the League Cup in the away leg, and we'll come back at home. We'll beat them three or four nil. No, I, I can see that. I can see that happening. If, if this continue, this good form continues, and it's the fairy tale is there. We, our next loss will be that Forest match. I urge all the fans not to lose their shit. Okay, take the two one defeat away at Forest. Let Lingard do a bit of a dance. Come back, slap them up at Old Trafford. Go win the trophy at Wembley against Newcastle, and that can be our loss. Yeah, look, I'll live with it. I'll live with it. Look, Tom, let me just black and white answers here. Let's both make a call right now. We might have eggs on our faces, but there's 270. I'll tell you what, if anyone who's here who's capable of typing, are united in a title race? If it's a yes, put yes in the comments. If it's a no, say no. Keen to see what everyone thinks. Um, but I think, Tom, I think I think we're absolutely in a title race. Are we in a title race with no more additions? Does Eric Ten Hag need another signing? I don't think so. I don't think so. Because no matter what signing we get, you're not going to get someone who walks into the starting 11. So if anyone's just a depth signing, I think ultimately it's it's the 11 that needs to stay fit. If Casemiro goes down, I think United have trouble. If uh, if Rashford goes down, United obviously got trouble. If Varane goes down, I think he's the one defender we can't afford to get injured. So you look at the, the nucleus of the team has to be there. If any of those players go down, I don't think any signing saving us. Now, look, it's very interesting. And look, I look forward to many discussions about that in the future. The chat is a little bit mixed in regards to and I like that. The chat, um, if anyone is new to the podcast today, um, obviously the live chat is always very level-headed in terms of they don't throw nonsense out there. I thought it was quite balanced. A lot of people saying yes, some saying no. So quite a sort of 50-50 split, which is good to see. Now, something the fan base won't be split over. Okay, let's just celebrate Manchester United and how fantastic that is, 100%. Absolutely love it. But something this whole fan base is united behind. Chelsea and Liverpool are in absolute crisis, and I love it. So where do you want to start? Chelsea have just signed this Ukrainian kid for £100 million. He scored nine goals in the Ukrainian league. He was desperate to go to Arsenal. He's ended up at Manchester uh, at Chelsea for £100 million. Crazy. So get your thoughts on that. And also, Danny Welbeck um, leading Brighton to a 3-0 win um, against Liverpool. So in the chat, let us know your thoughts on Chelsea and Liverpool. Put all your laughing emojis in there. And Larry, continue this fine form. Liverpool. They, seriously, can we start with Liverpool? They are an absolute basket case, and I'm loving it. Do you remember when Gakpo signed for Liverpool and we saw some United <laughs> fans saying this basket case of a club, talking about Manchester United, mind you, this basket case of the club, get the Glazers out. They need to sell up. They're going to run us into the ground. We're not going to finish in the top four because we don't got Gakpo. Give me a penny for the thoughts of Gakpo right now. Look, we were here, and, and look, as I said, well, I, I feel we are quite level-headed, but even we were very frustrated with that deal. Not that we'd seen much of Gakpo or thought he was the answer, but we thought Eric Ten Hag thought he was. So that's where our frustration stemmed from not getting the Cody Gakpo deal, but now we've obviously fallen in love with Veghorst, who's proven to be a better loan signer than Jao Felix, because Jao Felix is... <laughs> I don't know what to start oh, on that. Phenomenal. So, yeah. uh, but, but Chelsea, where do you want to start with that? Because we're talking about ownership, and we're going to have many discussions around Man United's ownership over the, over the coming months. Obviously, Chelsea have that new owner in Todd Bowie. Michael, what is he doing? What on earth is this guy doing? Real life, real life FIFA 23 career mode. He's just signing players for the sake of signing players. There's, there's, there's nothing going on there. He's the director but, of but, football. But we, but we can laugh at that. We can laugh at that. That's not, that makes no sense. That's not going to help him on a Saturday. Graham Potter's no, not going to deal well doing. with it. He's a rich man with a lot of money, and he's dead set playing FIFA career mode. I, I'm telling you, I think he's got a, I think he's got a bet with his mate. Who he's probably got a grip chat on Facebook. And he goes, guys, how's your FIFA career mode going? 
Oh, good. You know, I signed a couple players. You know what? I'm going to sign. You know, I'm getting bored of signing big name strikers. Let me sign some Ukrainian kid. I can see he's got an exciting prospect on FIFA 23. You know what? He's probably a good striker for Chelsea. Let me sign him. They're a the interesting thing with, that, with Chelsea and that sign, and that's not to be disrespectful, the Ukrainian kid might be a fantastic player. All the best to him. Hopefully not at Chelsea. But in regards to that discussion around him, it's... Even Chelsea fans, like, could you imagine if Man United went out and spent 100 million on a play? Like, how, how many of us really had an in-depth knowledge of Anthony? Like, we knew who he was, knew he was a sort of good talent. There was nothing there, but you're signing for 80 million. You think, oh, God, how excited this. We're watching YouTube compilations. Chelsea have just signed a player for 100 million, and it's quite critical. It's like, why are we signing this guy? Like, there's no sort of excitement or hope amongst the Chelsea fan base. And I look at that, and I think how the roles have reversed, and... Uh, Manchester United are still in a tricky situation with our owners and we still need to move forward and the big changes need to make, um, be made at this club to sort of to provide the platform to move forward. But um, Chelsea, you signed a £100 million player and it's, oh God, what are they doing with this for? The, get, get rid of their new owner. And rightfully so. It's an absolute mess. Long may it continue, Larry. Are Chelsea going to finish in the top 10? Sense of that. Well, I started looking at the table in terms of where are they looking? Are they looking to us in the top four? Are they looking to Everton in 18th? And on Everton, we'll wrap up on Everton, Larry. Jordan Pickford's in a relegation battle. Lampard is still within a job. Um, everyone who does tune into the podcast knows my, um, let's say love-hate, but more hate-hate relationship with Jordan Pickford. I'm praying he goes down. Oh, T-Rex. He's got the shortest arms for a goalkeeper, doesn't he? Um, look, Everton, I, I think that... Will they go down, though? I think they might, you know. I, they were very lucky to escape last season. They'll sack Lampard. Lampard. Hey? They'll sack Lampard. Oh, yeah. They'll definitely sack Lampard. You know who I wouldn't be surprised taking over Everton? David Moyes when he gets sacked from West Ham. <laughs> I was going to say, you know what? Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. It would yeah. not surprise me. For, for the job they need to get over the line in terms of the interim period? Feel good. You, well, if you, you need some feel-good factor. You need someone to let the team believe in each other and make training fun again. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is good for that. I'll throw one different to you in terms of maybe a bit of an Everton twist. Wayne Rooney? That's very, I hope he doesn't. I hope, I hope he doesn't because they are in such a bit of a tricky spot. If you did go there and unfortunately took them down, while it would be funny seeing Everton go down, it wouldn't be fun seeing Wayne Rooney involved. But I, I do yeah. see Everton potentially looking in that sort of avenue. Can I say with Everton fans, and I mean, they, they, hold, they hold on to Rooney. They, I think a lot of them, you, you'll talk to an Everton fan, they'll say, oh, yeah, he's, 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 he's an Everton, he's Evertonian, he's, he's a legend. But please, give me a break. He started the career with you guys, got bored of you because he realized you couldn't match his ambition, comes to United, runs his legs into the ground, literally, and then once we took all the juice out of his legs, he went back to Everton. And they hold on to him. I love it. Matt Long, oh, look, I hope Wayne Rooney continues in a sort of fine managerial career. He's sort of done very well so far, so long may that continue. But um, as I said, there is around 300 in the live chat, which has been fantastic. One of my favorite pods this one, Larry, beating Manchester City. In the derby, Rashford scoring a winner. What a day to be a Man United fan. Chelsea in the mud, Liverpool losing away at Brighton. It has been a fantastic day, but what Manchester United is built upon is not yesterday. We need to go and do it tomorrow. And that's obviously in a couple of days we do have Palace and Arsenal. And, okay, it's good beating Manchester City, of course, but where we want to be, that should be our standard Saturday. So let's, fingers crossed, Eric Ten Hag can continue to get these players' feet back on the ground, working hard at Carrington, and look forward because it's one of those things if we drop points against Palace, we'll think, oh, it means nothing. No, it won't mean nothing, obviously. It'll give us memories. A lot of us in Sydney watch the match at the pub. We'll there, Larry. We'll finish on that at the pub. Watching the match, I go, yeah, good. We won the derby. Fantastic. But the atmosphere in there, Sydney is pretty much as far away from Manchester as physically possible. You wouldn't have, you wouldn't have felt that in terms of at that pub. The atmosphere when those goals went in, 
my, my head was banging for hours and hours after the match. Couldn't sleep. Yeah, I was in Salford. I felt like I was in Salford for 90 minutes. It, it was unreal. Um, and look, I'm telling you, Manchester United, I don't care where you are in the world. If you're a United fan and, and you're willing to go to the city at 11.30 p.m. at night and watch with fellow Reds the team play, don't tell me you don't love this club as much as anyone who lives in Manchester. I'll tell you huh. that for free. And um, look, in terms of for those 304 people here, if you are new, um, I've got my five post-game reflections coming out tomorrow, Tom. So stay tuned for that. Um, and obviously, we'll, we'll preview the Crystal Palace match because it will be interesting. Who will Ten Hag rest and rotate? And if we don't get the result against Palace, like you said, this game doesn't mean anything. So we, we need to go and get the three points against Palace. No, big week. And um, I think the exciting thing here, we're always talking about team selections. It does need rotation. So you're going to see people coming in with a point to prove and sort of staking a claim for Arsenal. And Eric Ten Hag will re reward a good performance. If someone comes in and scores a goal, um, it's very likely they're going to start against Arsenal. So fingers crossed they can go get the job done against Palace. That um, tree's not going down until Martial scores. I'm telling you now, the tree's not going down until Martial scores. I had the same rule with Mata last season and I'm doing it with Martial this season. Leave a like for the Christmas tree. Um, subscribe if you're new. Truly appreciate everyone's interaction in the live chat today. Um, until then, we'll chat to you. Larry will chat to you tomorrow and we'll come out with a Crystal Palace preview in a couple of days. Until then, up the Reds. Enjoy your day. and. Um, Stick it on a Liverpool and Chelsea fan while you're at it. Until then, see ya.